Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Merry Christmas. If you have your Bibles, and there's some in the pews there, we're going to uh, read from Matthew chapter 2 today. But before we do, I need to ask an important question. How many of you today still have Christmas shopping to do? Anyone want to admit it? A few, Gina. Oh, yeah. Several people are reluctantly. How, how many finished up yesterday? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I didn't really do anything. I just bought a couple gifts. Pastor Kerry does all those kind of things. But um, how many finished up in July? Yeah, we'll pray for you guys at the end of the service. Got problems. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I want to speak to you today from Matthew chapter 2. We're going to talk about uh, the wise men. We're going to be wrapping up our Star, Star of Wonder series. And uh, this, this message tonight, to this morning, I want to title Wise Reminders. And we're going to talk about what the wise men remind us in this Christmas season. So let's read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars that rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as everyone, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests, teachers of the religious law, and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them from the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him, too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. We guys say joy this morning with me. Joy. They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this is our key verse this morning. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Can we pray one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have here. We pray in the next few moments that you would speak to our hearts, that you would uh, speak right into our lives, our situations. I pray, Lord, that you would give us courage today to just respond to your word wherever we are today. Pray that you would anoint the meditations of my heart this morning. That would be more than just my words. In your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. So as many of you know, we moved to Robbinsville about six months ago after living 14 years in northeast Tennessee. How many know that's a big change there? But I want to tell you that we really... We really love it here. But if you had told me a year ago that we would be here right now in this place, I might have just laughed at you. 
In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was about a year ago. I don't know, Dan, I didn't check with you, but I have it written down somewhere. Maybe in November or December of last year where Pastor Dan called me and said, hey, will you consider joining us at Life Tree? Will you pray about it? And I did. And I told him no. And yet here we are. And Dan's making me dress like him. So. You see, I had plans. I had directions. But God had better ones. Did you hear that today? That's true about life. We make our own plans. We think our life's going a different way. But God will come in and he will give us better directions, better plans. This for our family is truly a year of wonder. And I would say if I had to put a percentage on how much this move and transition has been amazing, I would put it at 99%. This is where you guys ask me, what's the 1%, Pastor Andre? Thank, thank you, Pastor Kevin. I'll tell you. Wasn't planned at all. You guys, you guys have a church, has a church has welcomed us unbelievably. Uh, this community has welcomed us. We love really being here. But I realize there's a 1% that's been hard for me personally, maybe not for anybody else in my family, but for me personally. It is that being in a new place uh, translates to I don't know where anything is. Now, you don't, you don't realize it. You take it for granted a little bit. When you lived in the same place for a long time, you know where everything is. If you want to go to the store, if you want to go somewhere, you know how, much, how long it'll take, what time of day, what routes, shortcuts, all those kind of things. And here, I don't know where anything is. And so to go anywhere, it uses a lot of my brain power, which I don't have much, and so it, it is hard for me. Um, and the reason why is because I, well, listen, I like to be, I like to drive. I like to go on long trips. And part of the reason why I like to drive is because I like to be in control. I really do. Thanks, Kevin, for laughing. I really do. So I like trips and I like to drive. But I, re- I realize since I've been here that I don't really like to drive to new places that I've never been because it takes too much planning, too much thought and Really, I don't feel like I'm in control. I don't know if you've ever been there, you've ever driven somewhere, and even though you have um, the Google Maps or whatever there, what you see on the phone is not what you're seeing out there. And so for a lot of these few first few months, uh, the word that has been uh, coming up in my car is rerouting too often. But it's been a little bit prophetic, maybe, of our journey here this year. Um, I like, I like to be in control. I don't like Google Maps to be in control. I'm a firstborn. I'm a leader type. And when I don't know where I'm going, I still feel like the GPS is in control. And uh, honestly, I've been doing really good getting around uh, for the last couple months. But then my girls started basketball season. And there's away games. I've been hanging out with the Boos a lot because uh, their granddaughter's on the same team as Claire. Um, I had a great experience a couple weeks ago in the middle of a snowstorm. I had to drive to Trenton for the first time. Yeah, you're laughing. It was a traumatic experience for a lot of reasons. Now, listen, Trenton, in a lot of ways, feels like home to me. It's, it, that area is kind of feels like home. But in the middle of a snowstorm, 
in a place I didn't know for the first time. You know, GPS told me 20 minutes, but it really took 45 minutes. And all the times I had to reroute. At one point, I almost got stuck. And that was holding up traffic on both sides in front of the school. It was awesome. I was, again, I hate it because I'm not in control. Got into the gym. In the first quarter of the game, because of the snowstorm, in the middle of Trenton, in a place I don't know, the power went out. You guys feel for me? And so in a, in a place like that where there's a bunch of rowdy fans and teenagers, they did what they would normally do. A bunch of them got up and screamed and started running out. So Claire told me later, she said, Daddy, I was so scared. Our coach ran over to the bench, and he was like, you know, saying, don't move, girls. And uh, I said, well, Claire, you know, you, you know, you had to learn from where I grew up. You know, Claire grew up in Tennessee. She didn't grow up where I grew up. And Claire's Puerto Rican. Yeah, I see what I did there. And I'm half Puerto Rican. So I said, Claire, you just in those moments, all you have to do is pay attention to the police officers, which I was doing. They weren't worried. And there was many of them in that building that day. They weren't worried. And I, and I, I should have reminded her that her dad does know Puerto Rican judo. You don't know if I have a gun. You don't know if I have a knife. That was pretty good. I probably should close this message right now on that. Anyways, it's been a journey for me. God's teaching me something about control, I think, this whole year. And trusting him with my direction, with my routes. And uh, it's with that in mind, I think, that... This Christmas, I'm looking at the wise men a little bit different because of my own recent journey, our our recent journey as a family. Um, Dan preached a great message a couple weeks ago about the wise men, so I won't give you all the background on the star, but if you haven't listened to it, go to the podcast. It's amazing. Um, Not the star, but the comment. He he, Great message, so make sure you check it out. But I'll give you some background on these guys. The wise men or the magi, they live somewhere in the Far East. They were most likely astrologers who were Gentiles. They weren't believers. Um, Our nativities always put their number at three, but there's nothing that really tells us how many of they they were. There's probably uh, more than three people that arrived there. Most scholars believe that the Magi traveled somewhere from the east, either Persia or Babylon, and their trip one way would have been a thousand miles at that time. And that is an interesting thing because at the time where people were traveling, most people at that time did not leave a 35-mile radius of their home their whole lives. And these guys took a trip for 1,000 miles. It makes that an epic trip for those guys, an epic journey. These wise men go out of their way past what is convenient to discover Jesus. And not only do they discover them, but their lives are forever changed. And so are the lives of Joseph, Mary, and Jesus because of their response in that moment. That's what I want to take a look at That this this morning. I want to take a look at some of the things, three things that the wise men remind us this Christmas season. I want to propose to you this morning that what makes them known as wise maybe isn't that they followed the star. I want to propose to you this morning that what makes them wise and full of wisdom is how they responded to Jesus along the journey. It's a template for us 
as Christians and believers in this room. There's some things for us to learn from them. They can teach us what it really means to be wise. It's not whether we're successful or of a certain age or we have certain strengths or even our reputation that makes us wise. It's how we respond to this baby named Jesus who came to be our Savior, to die for us, to take away our sins and give his life for us. They're here to remind us of a few things. The first thing is this. The wise men remind us that the most important question we should be asking is, where is Jesus? Could you guys say that question with me? Where is Jesus? Come on, one more time. Where is Jesus? This is the most important question we should be asking. They show up. Verse 2. Here's the question. Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. This is the very first question in the New Testament that's asked. I think it's really important today that we, that we recognize that. It's the very first question that's asked in the New Testament. Where is Jesus at? The reason why they're asking this, the reason why it's important is because these wise men were seekers. And that's who, we supposed to, that's who we are supposed to be. As we're supposed to be seekers of God. Hebrews 11.6 says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. One of my favorite writers, Ann Voskamp, says this, Wise men are only wise because they make their priority seeking Jesus. So I want to ask you today, are you asking this question? Does it make sense? Are we seeking him with all that we have? Where is Jesus in your day? Where is Jesus fitting into your calendar? Where is Jesus in your marriage and in your parenting? Where is Jesus at school? Where is Jesus in your friendships? This is something that we should be asking ourselves. They model this for us. Where is Jesus? If you're seeking first his kingdom, it means you, that for your life is going to revolve around this pursuit of knowing Jesus. Knowing what's important to him. Knowing what's on his heart. And how he looks at people. It's the everyday pursuit of a relationship with Jesus. The spiritual disciplines that really cause growth as, as for us as followers. We seek God because we want to know more of his love and goodness and his power. And so the wise men are here to really confront us with that. Are we asking of ourselves, where is Jesus? Are we really seeking him as believers and followers? So I want to encourage you today. Let's start fresh this new year with fresh commitments that I'm going to seek Jesus every way that I can with all my strength. I'm going to pursue a relationship with him in a way I've never had before. To read his word, to worship, and to love others the way God has called us to. Here's the second thing today. I only have three. The wise men remind us that we need joy for the journey. Everyone say joy. We need joy for the journey. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. It's amazing. In the Greek language, it takes four Greek words to describe one English word of joy in this passage. Because really what the Greek says is that they were overjoyed. 
in that moment. They were exceedingly full of joy. And I have to be honest today, this is challenging. When I was preparing this message, I felt very convicted about my own life that I've not taken moments this year in the midst of the journey. And here's where they, the wise men were. Remember, they had traveled a thousand miles, and they still, along the journey, were finding ways to find joy. And I, this year, really, since Thanksgiving, the Lord's really been challenging me. Andre, are you taking time to be thankful? Are you taking time to have joy, to find moments to be filled with joy in your life? True joy is found exactly where the wise men found it. It's not in the city of Bethlehem. It's not in the star. It's found in the person named Jesus. And I think this is one of the characteristics that should distinguish followers of Jesus, is that we have joy in our life, a joy that's overjoyed. That means this is joy, and we have this much joy. It's overflowing. It's attainable. It's contagious. We walk through life no matter what circumstances that we have, and we have joy in our life. It's a joy that's not determined by present circumstances, but it's a joy that's anchored in the goodness and the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father, who never lets us down. Come on, that right there, his goodness, his faithfulness, he never lets us down is enough for us to have joy in our life. Amen. And honestly, I don't know how we can really get through some of the things that life brings us without carrying joy. Because life throws us curveballs sometimes. And it's joy, I think, that helps us get through. I think too often, Dustin's going to put a fun graphic up for us. I think too many of us Sometimes they're Charlie Brown Christians. I don't know if you like Charlie Brown. We meant who Nikki mentioned him today. I like Peanuts. I, when I was a kid, I would read all the comic strips of Peanuts. I was with the, the Grecos the other day, and Levi brought a Calvin and Hobbes book to a basketball game. I really respected that. I really, I really that resonated with me. When I was a kid, Peanuts was my comic strip, and I would just read book after book of them. I loved Snoopy and Woodstock. But I had this picture as I was preparing that too often, if you know the character of Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown's really down on himself a lot. His famous phrase is, does anybody know? Good grief, right? And oftentimes you'll see in, in, in the cartoon, you will see Charlie Brown looking down and sulking and talking about himself. And I've really been challenged this year for me because I think too often for my life, I'm not, I shouldn't just point the fingers at all of us here, but for me, I've been a Charlie Brown kind of Christian. A lot of things are going on, but my head is down. One of the things that the, the Magi did, the wise men did, is they lifted up their head and they were filled with wonder and joy in that moment. I want to encourage you today, going into 2018, Take moments, take time, even going into Christmas tomorrow, take time to allow God to show you the moments of joy that are all around you. Lift up your head today. The Bible commands us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you remember what the angels came when they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. 
we bring great news of great joy. This is our mark as followers and Christians. The wise men are here to remind us that the gospel message is one of joy. We have to celebrate the wonder moments more. We have to celebrate the big blessings and the small blessings. We have to be overjoyed. Our joy has to be contagious. We have to take more moments to look up and be thankful and allow ourselves to be filled with joy. And my last point here, and this is really where I want to land this morning and where I want to talk about for a few minutes here. That verse 2, verse 12, when it was time to leave, the wise men returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So last one, the wise men remind us that Jesus cares about the direction we are headed. I love this verse. I think it's one of the most overlooked verses in the Bible. I think it's probably the most overlooked verse in the Christmas story. I think it is the gospel message presented in the, in the verse right here, verse 12, is that when we encounter the living God, when we encounter the author of change, our lives are forever directed in a different way. We take a different path. That's the shepherds or the, the wise men are there to show us that, that when you encounter Jesus, the potential for your life to be forever different is right there. This is interesting. The wise men were the first worshipers of Jesus. The home that he was in became a sanctuary of of his presence as they bowed and gave him gifts. You know, most scholars think that by the time that the wise men got there, that Jesus was not a baby anymore. That he was either like one to two years old. He was a toddler. I just want to tell you, as a parent who has parented three toddlers... To come and sit and worship a toddler is an act of faith. I was thinking about that. Thinking about what that scene must have been. Because Jesus was fully man. He was fully a toddler. And I just imagine that Jesus is throwing gold everywhere. And grabbing the nose and beard of these wise men. How many know? Like, There's a reason they call them the terrible twos. <laughs> Moms are amening, yes. Okay. I think, but I think it's there for us to see that it was really, this act of worship was really an act of faith. It didn't, see, it didn't seem like this was normal, but they came and they brought their gifts and they humbled themselves and they laid down their lives in front of this baby and they left completely different. That's what Jesus does for us. Sir, he's talking to me because he wants me to go on a trip, I think. so. It's interesting. The word for way in this has two, has two different uh, definitions or two different uses in the Greek. Andy, Greek. So. <laughs> the first use is way. It means a journey. But the second use of this word means a course of conduct. And they're interchangeable. In fact, Matthew in the Bible is the one that uses this Greek word more than any other author. And he famously uses it in Matthew 7 when he talks about that small is the gate and narrow is the, the road or the way that leads to life. 
and only a few find it. It's the same word that when Jesus says in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The wise men left by a different way or a different route. So not only did they leave their journey differently, but we can, we can probably come to the conclusion, but they probably left as different men. They left with a different course of conduct in their life. And I think it's really fun that not only were Magi considered to be astrologers, studies of the stars, people that studied the stars, they also were considered those who interpreted dreams. It's interesting to me in this passage that the way God speaks to them on this side of it is he speaks to them in a dream. I think it's really cool that God meets us where we are and he talks to us. I want to encourage you. I want to maybe just prophetically say to you that God wants to speak to you through your dreams. He wants to put some dreams inside of you, some God dreams. And for some of you in this year, I'm really believing that as you encounter Jesus, some God dreams are going to come alive in you. Maybe some things that have been dormant in your life for a while. I'm believing, I'm praying that they'll come alive this year for you. God will speak to you. God wants to give you many God dreams. It's interesting about Jesus because his whole life, Jesus invokes direction from people. Starting as a baby, all the way through the Gospels, we see Jesus talking to people about their direction and their path. Think about some of the things that he said to people. Come and follow me. Remember, he said to Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. He told other people, go and sin no more. Pick up your mat and walk. Go, Peter, into the deeper waters and throw your net on the other side. Come to me and walk on the water. And he said to all of us, go and make disciples of all nations. There's something about Jesus that evokes a call or response to direction. And when we encounter him, Our routes are changed. Jesus is in the business of rerouting us. He did it for me as a 15-year-old punk kid who was growing up in church. He grabbed hold of my heart and rerouted my life. He did it for me as a 37-year-old father and husband. Grabbed hold of my life and he rerouted me. This is what Jesus does. We're really good at making plans, aren't we? We have the personalities for it. We have the giftings for it. We have the strengths and reasons why, why we should have plans. But I'm going to encourage you today, with all your plans, bring them to Jesus and watch what he does in your life. Watch how he changes. I want to say to you that the way, the route that Jesus puts you on is better than any other route you could be on. He'll never force us, so we always have a choice. But we can go the way of God, or we can go back the way of Herod. I love what Bob Goff says. He says, sometimes in order to obey God, we've got to disobey Herod. Let Herod represent the culture. Let maybe Herod represent the standards or what the world expects of you. But come to God. Come to Jesus. Encounter him. Lay your plans. Bring your giftings. And watch what he does. The route home for those guys would have been longer and now had to have been done secretly to avoid being killed by Herod. They would have had to risk their lives and sacrifice their time. But they chose 
to allow their lives to be changed by Jesus. And here's, here's what I know. Here's what I know to be true. I don't know who's closing out. Nikki, are you closing out? Would you come? Thank you. Oftentimes in our lives, the reason why God will reroute us or put us on a different path is not just for us. It is for us, but oftentimes it'll be for other people around us. Mark Batterson says this, your obedience to God is the answer to someone else's prayer. I want to read you a story today to close and bring that point home today. The story of a pastor who was on his way to Ethiopia. He had just adopted a couple of children from Ethiopia, and he felt a call to go back there and work with a nonprofit. And the reason why he was going back to Ethiopia was to help them uh, with deforestation. And deforestation had been dev- had devastated parts of the country because generation after generation had been stripped, leaving the, bear, the land bare and barren. So here's his story. The pastor boards the plane, but he starts having second thoughts. First of all, he's, he has a fear of flying. And he starts to feel guilty about leaving his family behind. Then he was thinking to himself, planting trees, how much of a difference is that going to really make? So he starts feeling bad about his bad attitude. And so he decided to close his eyes right there on the plane before taking off and pray. This is what he prayed. He said, God, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I just don't get it. I don't want to be on the plane. I feel like I'm wasting time and money. If this is important to you, will you please overcome my ignorance, my doubt, and my blindness? Will you connect the dots and show me what I'm missing? Amen. He opened his eyes. And a well-dressed, 30-something-year-old Ethiopian man right next to him asked him, why are you going to Ethiopia immediately after the prayer? The pastor could have given a variety of different answers. He could have played the community development card. He could have played the mission card. Instead, the pastor just said, I'm planting trees. So the elderly woman seated next to the 30-year-old man responded in that language And she began to wail instantly. Can you imagine the scene? She stands up and she starts waving her hands in the air. The pastor asks, what's going on? And the man says, my mother asked me why you were going to Ethiopia. And I told her you were going to plant trees. The pastor said, what is she saying? And that's when the pastor's seatmate, the 30-year-old man, revealed that his mother had been praying for 38 years that God would forgive them for stripping their land bare. And she had been praying, please send someone to plant trees. She had been praying the prayer well before the pastor was even born. So the pastor's takeaway from that was that my gospel is too small. My gospel's too small. Sometimes your obedience to God will be an answer to prayer for somebody else. The wise men's obedience to responding to Jesus, going a different route, became an answer to prayer for Joseph, for Mary, and for Jesus. They didn't go back to Herod, which would have endangered their lives. I want to encourage you today, 2018, as you walk into Christmas, allow your hearts to be open 
to encountering him in a fresh way. Let's take a moment. Let's take inventory of where we are right now on the journey. Are you seeking him first in every area of your life? Can you answer the question, where is Jesus in those areas? Is joy a characteristic of your journey? Are we taking time to look up and be full of joy? And lastly, are you willing to lay your plans, your ideas, your gifts, your strengths, your weaknesses at the feet of Jesus and truly let him guide you? And maybe he needs to reroute you, reroute us like the wise men. Maybe there's a God dream in your heart that you want to respond to today. Maybe you just want to say, God, will you, that dream that you spoke to me, will you allow it to come alive again? So I want to pray for you today. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for these wise men. Thank you for who they are. Thank you that they're there in the story. Thank you that they give us permission to ask some questions. Lord, we come today. We come as we end this year of wonder. We thank you for everything that you've done in our lives, in this church, in our community. Lord, we're trusting you even in this next week, Lord, that you still have some things for us. Lord, we want our our hearts to be open. We want our eyes to be lifted up. We want to be ready to receive the joy that you have for us today. So Lord, I, I pray that you would help us right now, Holy Spirit, to see where are the areas in our lives that we need to seek you in. As we end this year, Lord, we make a fresh commitment as your followers, as your disciples, to say, Lord, we, we want to love your word and we want to love prayer. We want to love your presence today. That our hearts are open today. Lord, we, we don't want to be Charlie Brown kind of Christians. Lord, we want our lives and our walk to be contagious to those around us. So we're asking you to fill our homes, fill our mouths, fill our hearts with joy. Even when circumstances don't lend itself to it. Help us today, Lord. Jesus, I thank you that you're the kind of God that wants to change us. That you don't want to leave us the same. That the way that we walk in is not the way that we will leave. The way we've come into this year, Lord, you want to change us and help us be something different. I thank you that's how you work. I thank you that you reroute us and you give us direction. And I pray for those right now in this place that are on the precipice, Lord. They're ready to pivot for a route change. Some, some people here, Lord, already know that you're calling them to a different direction or a fresh commitment or to risk, take a risk of faith for a God dream. I pray that you would give them courage today. I pray that you would speak to all of us, Lord. We want to be on your way, not on the way of Herod. Help us today, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.